Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent, and as you know, in previous years, leading into the NBA draft, we have dedicated short episodes of the Island College Basketball Podcast to some of the top-tier prospects available. In many cases, guys that Norlander and I have been watching for years and years and years. This year, we are doing the same thing leading into the 2022 NBA draft, which is scheduled for June 23rd. We've already profiled Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren and Auburn's Jabari Smith. Now we turn our attention to Paulo Bancaro. Like Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith, Paulo Bancaro, one-and-done prospect. He played at Duke, helped the Blue Devils win the ACC and make the Final Four in Coach K's final season. Deadleg, where are you on Paulo as an NBA prospect? I'm more bullish on him now than I was, I think, a year ago. Uh, I remember you being all in on him, rightfully so. I mean, he was highly regarded, uh, discussed as a future number one pick when he was a high school prospect. I remember when we saw him, man, was that Colorado Springs? Has it really yes. been? It really has been that long. That's incredible. Um, Colorado Springs pre-pandemic. <laughs> what a different world that was. Um it was undeniable at that point. I was like, this dude is going to go into college and be awesome. And he was 17.2 points, 7.8 rebounds, 3.2 assists, um, and shot 48% from the field, 34% from three at Duke last season. He was really, really good. Um, I'll tell you what, GP, hmm. I reserve the right to change my mind, but I, I'm getting closer and closer to thinking that He's going to wind up having every year I do a mock draft and my mock draft is here's my guess. I guess this kind of doubles as a big board, if you will. But it's like I'm going to do a mock draft and I'm literally going to say I'm not going to try and predict how teams are going to pick. No, no, no. I'm going to project out who's going to have the best NBA careers in this class. Right. I think I might put being Carol number one when I do that mock draft. There's so much here that I like. And I because I I think he's going to have the best combination of everything. He has got strong body, you know, 6'10", about, what, 240 or so pounds, maybe 250. 250. Although he's listed 250. This is one of those deals where, like, I was with Duke and Bancaro for the final five weeks of the season, right? I mean, he could be. He's a big guy. His legs. Big, big, big time. But, like, 250 is big. I'm not saying he's not, but... It seemed like he was keeping himself. He's got 100 pounds in each of those legs. <laughs> he damn well each, might. Each leg uh, is 100 pounds, and then the rest of his body is 50. Incredible base. So, like, he's gonna, he's got the NBA physique, physicality right now, day one. He can square up and shoot. He can work back to the basket. He can pass. Terrific NBA frame. I think, I, I, I know we said that. Jabari Smith probably has the highest floor, probably. I think Ben Carroll's floor is higher. I think he's the least likely bust of any projected top six, seven guy in the draft. I think he's the least likely because defensively, I know he's going to be, um, there will be some room to improve. I get that. 
But man, he still has smarts on that end of the floor. He has a three point shot. That's good. Could get better. Um, can put it on the deck and penetrate can bring up, bring it up the floor when he gets going downhill. Obviously it's a huge problem. Can shoot from all three ranges. Like to me, if you went back 20 years, because I think like in some ways, in some ways, not in a lot of ways, but in some ways I can see like, you know, and I haven't heard anyone say this, but maybe it's been put out there. But like there's some Carmelo Anthony-ish stuff to Paulo Bancaro in terms of his offensive arsenal. If you went back to that 03 draft and you put Bancaro in, that was LeBron. LeBron still goes number one, obviously. But like Darko, Carmelo, Bancaro, like Bancaro to me, would he's the he's that he's he's even better than what Carmelo was coming out of Syracuse. Uh, there's so much more there. And look what Carmelo became. I think I think he's going to have a wonderful opportunity and chance to average north of 17, 18 points a game in the NBA. Um, and I think he's a great passer. Like he's a he is a passer who's always looking to get better in how he distributes. Uh, I remember hearing that from the coaching staff down there, seeing Duke up close and personal so many times. You might not think of him as a distributor, but his willingness to move the ball in Duke's offensive scheme and to get it to guys in different kind of ways. He's so big, he could see over the defense, skip passes, feed in, move the ball around. Man, that helped make Duke one of the you know five to seven best teams in the country. I think you can run. For me, GP, the reason why I really like him, and I don't think he'll go number one, but I would not be stunned if he did, and I wouldn't reject the premise if he did. I think he deserves to be in this conversation. It's not a Chet and Jabari conversation as far as I'm concerned. You can plug Bancaro into an offense in year one, and you can run some stuff through him just as easily as you can make him another cog in the wheel, depending on opponent, possession, all that. You and I mentioned on the Chet podcast, we think Orlando probably knows who it's taking at this stage. There's still a chance they might be debating. There's still that chance. Uh, Bancaro deserves a very long look to me. I think he has the best chance, not to say he's guaranteed to be the best. My feeling on Bancaro now is he has the best chance of having the best career 10, 12 years down the road. Yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. I, I reject the idea that this this is a two-player draft and Paulo's not in that group. Um, I'm in I tell you, like when I prep for these episodes, I, you know, I really dive in and <laughs> this happens every year. I, 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 I go at it and I go, man, how you pass on this guy? This guy's so good. <laughs> yeah. Like I, 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 I dove into chat and I'm like, I don't just don't see how you pass on this guy. And then I dove into Jabari and I was like, Jesus Lord, how are you going to pass on this guy? And then I dove into Paulo and I'm like, this is really the guy's going to go third in the draft. Maybe that's what some people think uh, because he's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff already there. You mentioned, well, first, let's go back to Colorado Springs because that was like late July, August 2019. Yeah. So pre-pandemic, he was getting ready to start his junior year of high school and he was working out. Um, you know, they're playing scrimmage, whatever they were doing. And I was sitting with a coach of a Blue Blood program who had a preseason top 10 team. And he said, Paulo could start for us right now. He, he had just finished his sophomore year of high school. This coach is a blue blood, is coach of a blue blood program who had a preseason top 10 team. He said he would start for us right now. And since then, he's just gotten bigger, stronger, more skilled. Um, the latest numbers I saw were 6'10, 250, 7'1 wingspan, NBA body already, big, strong skill, uh, great mid range score. Um, you know, can catch it, 
bounce it a couple of times, shoot over a defender. Because at Duke, he was often guarded on the perimeter by smaller guys. And he just, you know, you shoot right over him. You try to put a bigger guy on him, he'll go right past him. Very good passer, like you noted. He averaged 3.2 assists per game. You know, he could drive and kick it. A lot of skip passes. Um, an above-average passer for a guy his size. A lot of big-to-big passing with Mark Williams. Lobs, he could drop it off. Um, he's incredible offensively. Um, you know, the, the, the concerns are... And they're very minor concerns. Like, I think the concerns with him are are maybe smaller than they are certainly with Holmgren and and perhaps with, with Jabari Smith as well. Because with Jabari Smith, like, you got to figure out, can you really just, you know, get him the ball and let him go play make? Because he really didn't do a lot of that at Auburn. Uh, with Paulo, you can. Like, he's ready, to, he's ready to play make, get his own shot, all that stuff right now. He can pass out of double teams. Like, he is really gifted offensively, not just, um, you know, with Jabari, a lot of it is he's just 6'10 shooter right now. Um, you know, Paulo's a 6'10 player. Like, he can he can do all those things. Um, the questions become, you know, what's he going to be defensively? Because at Duke, like, we don't have to lie to each other. He just wasn't very good. You know, he's not a top-shelf athlete. Good athlete, but not top shelf athlete um, doesn't have great lateral quickness um, doesn't you know and so he he'd get lost sometimes on defense seemed to lose focus a little bit on defense and perhaps some of that is just you know age um, also being you know carrying such a, um, um, a, a a responsibility on the offensive end you know you got to rest somewhere like you know I'm not real concerned with it but that is a concern like Jabari Smith, I think, can be a plus defender. Chet Holmgren, you know, could be a first-team all-defense guy. You know, can Paulo be adequate on that end of the court? And then the other question is, what's he going to be from three-point range? Because he only shot 33.8% from three. But I'm a believer that he's going to be a real three-point shooter. Mm -hmm. And he's strong enough to play small ball five. Like, he might guard centers a lot. And, and actually that might turn him into a better defender or less of an issue on defense because, you know, um, he might not be able to stay in front of um, wings um, and even modern fours, uh, you know, in the NBA. But, like, he can stay in front of fives and he's strong enough to, to, to deal with them. Like, I could see him playing a lot of five on the defensive end of the court. And if you can – the problem with that is I don't know that he's a great rim protector, but like, whatever, we're nitpicking at this point. Yeah. Really, the only questions for me is what's he going to be on defense and is he going to be a real three-point shooter? And I think he can be good enough defensively. I think he's going to be a good three-point shooter because, you know, the shot doesn't look broken. He just, you know, he shot it's an okay percentage, but it wasn't great. Um, I think he's going to be a real three-point shooter. I think he can be adequate defensively. And the other stuff is all there for, I mean, the, it's easy to see. Like, I know I've said I would take Chet Holmgren number one, and I would. But, like, you know, it's 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 tough. This is tough for me. Picking between Holmgren, Bancaro, and Smith is really tough. And if somebody were to make the argument for Bancaro going first, even though most people don't believe he will now, but if somebody were making the argument for it, you wouldn't have to work too hard to sell me on it. He, he, he's a totally reasonable option. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As a reminder, uh, Magic, obviously, number one, Oklahoma City. have number two, Rockets, as we record this podcast have the number three pick. It will be interesting to see. We'll get into this stuff more uh, on a mock episode as we get closer to the draft. If any of these teams want to trade out or not, I would think not. Again, we focused on these three players with these three teams this week uh, because it's such a fascinating discussion to be had about really what do you value? Who do you think is going to hit? Maybe all of them hit. It's hard to hit. I mean, it's... It's not that hard to see how they wouldn't all hit. Now, with Bancaro specifically on the defensive end, I think it's also important to note that he was playing alongside one of the best defenders in the country, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, um, and Mark Williams, a guy who numbers uh, coming out of the combine measurements you know, were just ridiculously good, and Mark Williams might play himself into top 10 overall status. There's certainly a case uh, to be made there. Um, and maybe even on some sort of level, not this, this would excuse Bancaro's defensive performance, but man, it, it would be all too understandable playing next to Wendell Moore Jr., also a very, very, very good defender, very good, and Mark Williams, you just know, like, you got a lot of things covered up for you there. Just doesn't need to be as good at that level. Uh, doesn't excuse him not being a better defender, because I think that he can be better than what his reputation is. Um, I'm also... The more and more we do this, I'm also like, you know what? Sometimes the knocks on defense, while valid, it's like, but if he's going to go out and be the kind of player who can get you 21 and 10 and be a productive, like, super plus addition on the offensive end of the floor, then he'll be fine on the, on the defensive end. Like, they'll, you well, will be able to overcome that. Like well, sometimes, and I'm not saying that you're doing this, but sometimes when we get into pre-draft process, GP, and I understand, particularly for front offices, you have to scrutinize so many things. Uh, it's like Steve Nash was a two-time MVP, horrendous on defense, and yet he should have clearly been like, you know, he was one of the two or three best players. In the, like at a certain point, one thing offsets the other, you know? Right, well, like, you know, John Morant. Is exactly. Not, is not good defensively. But, you know, the Grizzlies are about to give him $200 million. Who the hell, and by the way, not that, not that he shouldn't get better, GP, but it's like, and who the hell cares? <laughs> right. Well, like, 
it's interesting because the Grizzlies this season were really good without John Morant. Like they were really good with John Morant, but they like won more without John Morant. And people ask why Jesus, like nobody thinks they're better without John Morant. That's just, that's nonsensical. But why do they win at such a high level without John Morant? Because they become the best defensive team in the, in the NBA. You want to know why? Because John Morant's no longer playing. <laughs> so that's, so, so you put Tyus Jones, who's a plus defender. Now you got Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. They go from a whatever defensive team to the best defensive team in the NBA when John Morant disappears. So, but but what it, John Morant's also about to be second team All NBA, right? Uh, so I mean he's a legitimate MVP candidate. So I'm with you on that. Sometimes we and that's what the draft process is. You know, you're looking at everything and you're. Um, you know, what are some positive? What are some negatives? What are some strengths? What are some weaknesses? So uh, that's why I bring it up here because you want to get to a point where you say, what are some of the perceived weaknesses? But I'm with you. Um, it, if you tell me somebody's great offensively, um, uh, we'll figure out a way to get them good enough defensively or hide them, but they're going to play and they're going to be really good. Steph Curry, you know, especially early in his career, uh, you know, not not good defensively. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Beverly just called Chris Paul a cone on ESPN. All right. Just called him a cone. I know. All right. And I whether that's true or not, I'll let other people debate. But the point is, he was saying Chris Paul can't guard anybody. But like Chris Paul just led a team to the most, you know, wins of any team in the NBA this past season. So uh, whatever Paulo's defensive uh, weaknesses might be. And I don't think they have to be weaknesses forever. Like he's not a top shelf athlete, but he's got good feet. Like, it's, there's enough there. There's enough there. He can. Fig- I think. I think he can figure that out. Um, and and if, but even if he could, even if it's a problem, he's still so unbelievably valuable on the offensive end of the court that you'll figure it out. Either he'll figure it out, or you'll figure out how to deal with it. But either way, it's not a real long term concern. And that's why. You know, right there with Jabari Smith, he might have the highest floor, like you noted earlier, because there's really like, what are the concerns? Defense and will he be a, you know, a 40% three point shooter instead of a 34% three point shooter? Like, even if it's just, you know, he's going to be really, like, he's going to be really good. And then you, 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 you know, we'll look up in two years and I think it'll be that quickly. We'll know whether he's great or not, but he's going to be really good no matter what. He's my pick to win no matter where he goes. Because you know what? You look at Orlando, you look at OKC, you look at Houston. Although, again, like, you know, I guess he could go as low as four. It's not unthinkable. He could go as low as four, depending on Jaden Ivey. I even had someone recently tell me, like, Keegan Murray at three is not unthinkable. We'll get to Keegan Murray when we do our Keegan Murray episodes. But even if he goes four. Um, the term that keeps coming to mind with Bancaro with me is, is multifaceted, man. He is going to be – and I, I – I don't know if the way that the NBA is constructed. Listen, how about this, GP? The way that the NBA has uh, been uh, constructed from a roster building, execution, philosophical standpoint, from like you know 2018 to 2022. It's not that was wasn't that way in 2012, and it wasn't that way in 20 in 2002, right? I don't know if how the game is played right now is going to be how it's scouted, recruited, and built in 2033, right? But what I do love about Bancaro's game is it seems to be immune from any kind of drastic changes. He is going to be able to score no matter how you need him to do it. He will be able to shoot from deep. 
He will be able to shoot from the mid-range, put it on the floor, distribute, take it to the 10 with aggressiveness, back to the basket, post-up game, all kinds of even, – even if you think, you know what, NBA doesn't need Paolo Bancaro to – to, to post up from 13 feet out, kind of back a guy down. Maybe not now, but who's to say in six years from now because of a coach he's, he's with or the franchise he's with that there might not be room for that. You can adapt him and mold him to so many different ways offensively, in my opinion, in more ways than Chet, in more ways than Jaden Ivey, in more ways than Jabari Smith, in many more ways that that's why I think, yes, his floor is the highest and he just seems, he seems so safe to me. He really, he really, really does. And I think he's aggressive. Super high competitor. Um, you even see it in things like, I like seeing this from players. Uh, and maybe I noticed it a bit more because I was just around uh, the team as much as I was down the end of the season. Like, like sometimes, like, Paulo, he wouldn't be afraid. Like, you could tell that there was a little bit of the, of, the, of, of the Duke filter on him, the Coach K. But, like, if someone asks, like, a bad question, he'd, he'd almost give him, like, a little bit of, of, a, of a stink face there. Like, there's a genuine, like, authentication, authenticness with Bancaro that I so appreciate. Uh, not to mention that he provided the uh, the most entertaining, you know, lead-up moment in the draft of any when he was mistaken for Patrick Mahomes at the F1, <laughs> which was just incredible. And, and the other, uh, you know. And he oh, handled it well. He handled no, it. no, he was great. And, like. Like you've been around him, I've been around him. He's like a pleasant young guy, you know. He's like yeah. smart and thoughtful. Um, Which, by the way, real quick, that comes from his parents. You mentioned this on the Jabari one. His mom was a professional WNBA player. Right. His dad played. They both played at Washington. So it comes from two parents, D1 athletes. Mom was a professional basketball player. Another like, and and I happened to in San Francisco when they were out there. Uh, coincidentally, went to the same restaurant, set at the same, it was a big old communal table, set at the same table as his parents. Uh, Duke was obviously on an off day. I was watching, I was when St. Peter's beat Purdue, actually. Uh, seemed like a wonderful, wonderful family, wonderful group. Just, you know, the, the a lot of that stuff, Bancaro, uh, from a background check, if you will, seems like he'll pass with flying colors. Well, you go back to Colorado Springs, um, you know, years ago and I, I sat with the dad and, and, and spent, you know, maybe 30, 40 minutes with the dad and he was incredible. Um, like I was struck by like, and I, I sat with Paulo and he was incredible and I was struck by, um, I don't know. They like, they were just really impressive people, both of them. And, you know, I, I've never met the mother, but I've heard great things just come from a really strong family, like really awesome core in place. And even Paulo, like, you know, so I, I spent some time with him at Colorado Springs. Then I bumped into him at Peach Jam like last year. Yeah. And, he, and he was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. What's up? Like he was, you know, he's I don't know. He's just an impressive young guy. So all that stuff is going to check out as positives, uh, I believe. Um, you know, no, no red flags there. In fact, it's interesting. Like I don't sometimes in drafts you hear about, well, there's some red flags off the court stuff that might be concerned. Uh, with the guys we're talking about at the top of this draft, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, Paulo Bencaro, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray. Like, you don't hear any of that stuff, do you? Really? Not really. No, at least not to this point there. No, I've not heard. Uh, and, it, and, and, and like, you know, uh, Jaden Ivey's mother is the Notre Dame basketball coach. She worked in the NBA. So, like, you got a lot of strong parental stuff um, in place here, which is – um, I don't know, just, just, just notable because, uh, you know, that, that stuff matters to, to front offices. 
um, uh, back to the offensive stuff, and then we'll, we'll we'll get out of here. Like it's all there except for the reliable three point shooter. Really, I mean, you know, a lot of you go back and watch film. It's a lot of drive, spin, layup, drop steps. Like he really knows how to use his feet, get to where he's trying to get to. Um, it could dribble, get to the mid range, that fadeaway jumper that like you can close your eyes and see. I'm not comparing these as players, but like the Michael Jordan fadeaway jumper, the Kobe Bryant fadeaway jumper, the Kevin Durant one that LeBron has incorporated it a little bit. Like Paulo was making those shots at Duke. Like he was a an NBA shot maker. He's an NBA shot maker already. Um, he can take it off the rim and start a break. You know, he can uh, give it up, get it back, or he can go coast to coast, um, you know, and finish it himself. Like everything ex- on the offensive end is pretty much there, except for a reliable three point shot. And if you're a believer that that's going to be there eventually, and I think, I think I am a believer in that because it looks fine. And I'm assuming he'll put in the work. If it looks fine and to put in the work, you can become a, um, a really good three point shooter. Then, I mean, what are we talking about? If he really does go third in this draft, there's a chance you are getting a you are getting a real steal at, at third in this draft. And you mentioned the franchises that are picking one, two, three. They're all in rebuilds um, with young talent. So I don't think any of them are moving out of those spots because they, they, they don't – they're not – like if – if for some reason Golden State had a top three pick or, um, you know, some other franchise that is going for it right now because of a trade that happened two years ago or something, they might be looking to get out of this. But the franchises that are picking one, two, three are looking to add high level young talent. And so I'd be shocked if you see any any trades at the top of this draft. Uh, last thing for me is I, you know, first of all, three point shooting against the best competition, 16 out of his 39 games last season. Van Caro was a better three point shooter, marginal, but better. He was, he was 35 and a half percent in 16 games from three. He was 33.8% on the season, which is still good. Um, it's not like he was shooting 27, 28%, you know, 34% for the season in 39 games. And if you watch that Duke tournament run, you know, he was, he was just so consistently him. I love how Bancaro has at the same time, amazing touch and grace to his game and brute force. He knows how to deploy his strength just as easily as he knows how to deploy um, it, the grace of his game it, through spin moves, through going to the tin, delicate fadeaway shot. Um, there's just more in the bag offensively with him than I think any other player his size that's in this draft. Be interested to see where he goes uh, because, again, I'm not going to predict he goes number one, but the more I think about the prospects in this draft and Ben Caro's ceiling might not be as high, I just think he's the most likely to have the best career of any prospect we're talking So that's Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and Paulo Bencaro, uh profiles done here on the Ion College Basketball Podcast. And we're going to be going forward um, – maybe doing two a week uh, dedicated specifically uh, to prospects. So next up, uh, Jay Nivey, I, I believe the two and done guard uh, out of Purdue, who as Nordlander has mentioned, um, does have some fans in NBA front offices who think he should be 
uh, considered as an option. Just an option, but an option. It will be a fun conversation when we get there. And a reminder, we're not all NBA draft profiles. We will have a regular College Hoops episode, minimum at least one each week coming forward as well. So you get a little little of both worlds there as we head into the draft. It's a lot of off-season work we're, we, we're doing, Norlander. How am I supposed to shoot in the 70s if I'm talking on these podcasts every day? You just play nine holes and then you're good to go. Oh, oh buddy. Oh. I can't wait till you see the new and improved GP. I can't wait. Uh, we'll have to try and make that happen. We'll have to try and get around together in before the years. I can't wait till you see the new and improved GP. <laughs> we, should do a, we should do a profile on me. You as a golfer? Yes. Yeah. Break break me down as a golfer. Not not the old GP, but mm. the new the new GP. A man who is dedicated. You know what they're saying about me? I, uh, nobody they? nobody loves it more than me. Oh, uh, that's what they're saying. Nobody puts in more work than me. Who's they? Just you know them. They. Them. them. Yeah. yeah, them people. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Hunt. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening. I don't call it basketball podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a nice review over at Apple. There's more of us than there are of them. It needs to be reflected in the reviews. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that. Please, please, geez, please, How, please. I've asked a thousand times. Got a better shot at getting my kids to put their own clothes in the laundry room than I do of getting some of you to subscribe to the podcast. I beg you, just put your clothes in the laundry room and subscribe to the stupid podcast. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.